Hi, and welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that as you listen, you will be both encouraged and challenged to step into what God has in store for you. Here's this week's message from Pastor Brenton. Good morning. Uh, we just want to praise your name, uh, and, and we just want to say that may you just receive all the honor and glory this morning, and, and we, we love you, God. You're so good, and you have such good plans for our lives, and you came, uh, you came that we might find this abundant life in you, and, and God, th- this morning as I speak, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would move uh, through this auditorium. God, we know that you're, you're here, and, and uh, we just welcome you to do what you want to do in our hearts. Uh, right now, we just want to say yes to the word that you have for us this morning. Um, and God, I, I really believe that that's true, that you have a word for each and every one of us. You see everyone here individually. You are such a big God that you can do that, and you know where we're at, and you know what we need to hear. So Holy Spirit, go beyond my words, and, and I, I just pray uh, that we would listen um, to you speaking this morning. Amen. All right. Well, I hope you guys had a good week. Uh, I had a really good week. On Friday, I got the privilege of, of marrying my baby bro and gaining a new sister. So that was, that was really cool, a really special moment. Uh, and it was about a, maybe a week ago, we had uh, my baby brother's bachelor party, and it was a humbling experience. We went to Speed World, and I'm, I'm, I'm good at Speed World, usually. Uh, it's a go-karting place where you go-kart, and I'm, I'm used to getting in first. And so the first race happens, and I'm not first, but it was just kind of a, a, a warm-up kind of thing. And I'm like, ah, I'll turn it on. It's going to be no big deal. Uh, I end up finishing, let's just say not first. It wasn't last, but it was not great. Um, but I, I, I realized, though, that Nick got first. And I was like, you know what? This is amazing. This is awesome. Nick is the star of the day. So, yeah, that's good. That's good. I'm, I'm going to say that, even though I was humbled. Um, and then, uh, about half a week later, we have the Friesen Open. That's where uh, my dad and my two brothers, we go golfing, call it the Friesen Open. Uh, and uh, I finished in last. And it's just like, okay, man. Um, but at the end of the day, again, it was, we were celebrating my dad's birthday, and I'm so I, I, I concluded I let him win. Um, <laughs> even though that he was third and my two other brothers didn't let him win, I don't know why. Uh, but he was the star of that narrative, so that's what I'm sticking to. I, I let my dad win, because I'm a great person. <laughs> I'm going to stick to that story. Um, but in the narrative of, of Israel, we have this king, King David, and he's clearly the, the star of the story. Uh, he was the king that, that God chose to uh, kind of come, have the line of Jesus come through, and Jesus was also known as the, as the son of David. So David is this, this amazing star. Uh, but today I want to talk about two other people in the story that had uh, a massive impact. And so we're going to be talking about Jonathan. Uh, and also, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about Saul as well. Saul was Jonathan's father, and I really think if, if we're going to look at Jonathan and who he was and, and, and how he was a hero, then we need to look at Saul too, because this is the context uh, that he grew up in. This, is, this was his father. So we're going to compare and contrast these, this, these two people this morning and hopefully learn a few things. So David arrives on the scene. As a young shepherd boy, he gets an anointed king, 
And all of a sudden, you can almost hear the, the Rocky theme song montage music as he rises to fame. He kills Goliath, rises the ranks of, of the military, and all of a sudden, King David is, or David is the anointed king, the future king is becoming a big deal. And Saul responds uh, by fighting against David and trying to protect his kingdom. This is how Saul responds to David's rise to fame. And it says in 1 Samuel 18 verse 8, what more can he get but the kingdom? And so Saul grew fearful of David because, because he, he, well, because David was the future king, right? David was the anointed king. And so Saul decided to fight against David. He feared losing his kingdom. And so he tried to kill David so that he could keep his reign as king. He could keep his reign in his family line. And not only that, Saul also tried to manipulate uh, Jonathan to, to do this as well and, and try to be against David. And in 1 Samuel 20, verse 31, Saul says, As long as the son of Jesse lives on this earth, neither you nor your kingdom will be established. Saul is trying to manipulate his son and plant this seed. Hey, Jonathan, as long as David is alive, do you know that you'll never be established? Your kingdom will never go anywhere. And, and Saul, when he's saying this, is not trying to really look out for Jonathan. He, he's really just doing this for his own selfish gain because as soon as Jonathan says, no, I'm not going to do that, then he calls him a son of a prostitute. And so you see his heart, it is twisted and selfish heart. And, and this mindset of selfishness that, that Saul had was really his downfall. And it just began a, a spiral of events leading to the destruction of all his relationships, the kingdom of Israel being, being kind of torn in two with David's side and, Jonathan's, or, and Saul's side and Jonathan kind of in the middle of all this mess. And, and I really think it, it all it was because Saul had this selfish heart. It says in James 3, um, For where there is envy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder, and that word means confusion and chaos, and every kind of evil. Wow, that is, that is a, a frightening verse. Where, where there is envy and selfish ambition, where those exist, it brings chaos, it brings disorder, and, and there's every kind of evil. It invites evil. And it even, you know, the Bible narrative even says that in the next day, Saul was tormented by an evil spirit. The next day that he, that, that really this, the selfishness of David started, he was tormented with an evil spirit. And I really think, it's not a coincidence, I, I really think that selfishness uh, attracts evil. And, and it goes to show that, that uh, every kind of evil comes along when we have envy and selfish ambition in our hearts. And, and I think the, the, the big important thing too is that if we have envy, if we have selfish ambition, we can't do that and build God's kingdom. Because we are building our kingdom. We are, we are building our reign. And that's what Saul was consumed with. I need to protect my kingdom, my reign. Jonathan, your reign won't be established. But he didn't have a concern for God's kingdom and God's reign. And so Jonathan, meanwhile, he's kind of going through the very same thing, right? He's the prince. He, he was the one that was going to be taking over King Saul's throne, his father's throne, when his father passed away. But now that, that, that David shows up on the scene, now David is the next in line to get the throne. And so he has the same reasons that, to be envious, but this is his response in Samuel 18. It says, After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one spirit with David, and he loved him as he, as he loved himself. 
From that day, Saul kept David with him, and he did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as he loved himself. Jonathan took off his robe he was wearing, gave it to David, along with his tunic and his sword, his bow and his belt. Wow. What a response. The robe that he was handing over to David would have been his royal robe. Signifying that, hey, you're, you're the man now. Now, now, the, now you're, you're royalty. It's no longer me. And, and the weapons that he's giving to David are just a sign that, hey, I am here to protect you. I have your back. I am for you. I am with you. And he made a covenant with him, a lifelong covenant, saying, I, I want to be there for you, whatever the case is. And he chose in that moment to love David as he loved himself. So while Saul fought to protect his kingdom, Jonathan submitted to David and chose to protect him. And I really think that Jonathan knew that that God had picked David, right? God God had anointed David to be the next king. And I think that would have been a, a terribly hard thing to accept. Because growing up, he would have had the mindset that I will be king one day. I will be king one day. But all of a sudden, David gets anointed, and I think Jonathan realizes, hey, no, this is from God. Samuel was the one that anointed David. Samuel was the prophet of God. And so ultimately, God didn't choose me to be the next king. But now David is going to be the next king, so I need to make sure that God's anointed is protected and supported. What an amazing mindset, huh? He had every right to be envious like his father. And again, his father was trying to to twist his mind to get him to be against David. But he chose to offer himself and offer protection and love for David. And he really lives out this verse. In Philippians 2 verse 3, and this is a a poem that's talking about Jesus as well. And it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourself. This is, this is what Jonathan does in this situation. And, and this is a verse that, that I, I want to just take some time to meditate on. Because I really believe that if we can live out this verse, if you can really get this verse in your heart and start living it out, you will live a life that brings the kingdom of God forward. You will live a life of, of being a good spouse of being a good parent, of being a good friend, of being a good leader, of really leaving an impact for God. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. That, that, that in itself is a challenge, right? Nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, value and raise others above yourself. Imagine if as a church we had this attitude, right? Imagine how the kingdom of God would move forward. Imagine the atmosphere of encouragement that would be in this building if we valued other, others above ourselves. That would be so amazing. I, I feel like people would come into this place and just be like, wow, this is the most encouraging atmosphere I've ever seen. And when you think of things like, like church politics and churches not moving forward, often it's because there's selfish ambition and vain conceit and we're trying to build our own kingdom alongside God's kingdom and it just doesn't work. And I really feel like this verse is so important. It's one that I'm going to highlight. It's one that I'm just going to meditate on because I know if I can really get this in my heart and with the power of the Holy Spirit live this out, I can be like Jonathan and lift others up in my life and and, and bring the kingdom of God forward. And so I really think that that we we just have to live lives of checking our heart against pride. Amen? And, And I've come to realize that I'm probably struggling with pride. And that's a good, I think that's a good place to be. 
it's a good place to be because often I just kind of have that, that, that pride radar on in my life and, and I'm, I'm, I'm in this place of maybe weekly repenting for being prideful. And I think that's great because pride is this silent killer. Sometimes we don't realize it, but all of a sudden everything becomes about us, right? The sun starts revolving around us. All the relationships we have are about us. Church is about us. Everything is about us because we're selfish people by nature, and so I really think that, that this is, you know, a, a verse that's going to help us out so much. And I, I encourage you to just repent often of pride. Ask Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, would you point out when I have pride in my life? And just be ready. <laughs> it's a dangerous prayer, but it's so important. And I just want to say it's, it's a journey and sometimes you, it kind of rocks your world. Wow, God, I am suf- such a selfish person. And God says, yeah, you are, but I'm going to help you. I'm going to work with you. I'm going to be patient with you. I'm going to change your heart. And it's just a beautiful journey to go on when you realize, okay, I'm probably filled with a little bit of pride, and I probably need to be broken down. God, I give you permission to do that. Um, It's maybe painful at times, but it's the journey we have to go on. And it's so huge, because if we have pride and selfish envy in our heart, we are missing the point. We're building our own kingdom instead of God's kingdom like Saul was. And I don't want to miss the point in my life. Have you ever missed the point? I've missed the point. I remember one time I was at Winkler Bible Camp and I was a camp counselor. We were playing a soccer game. And I'm not usually really good at soccer, but that day, like, I was firing on all cylinders. It was amazing. Like, I, I shot the ball and it was like, bend it like Beckham, curves top corner. And I could do, like, I could do no wrong. I was scoring. Everyone was cheering my name. That was probably just in my head. But, <laughs> but it was just like, oh, yeah, our team is winning. I'm, I'm just dominating. And all of a sudden, someone pulls me aside and it's like, hey, Brenton, how are you? Oh, good. I'm, I'm great. He's like, hey, Brenton, you know, you want to let the kids have the ball once in a while? <laughs> And all of a sudden I realized I'd, I'd made this about winning, I'd made this about me, and it was a camp soccer game. This was not the, the MLS, this was not the Premier League. This was about kids having fun, and I made it about myself. And I think of the same way, if we're not careful, we, we slip into the same thing where we live our life where everything's about us, and we actually miss the point of why we're living, of why we're here. It's not about us. Tell your neighbor that. It's not about me. And it's not about you. So we don't want to miss the point. We, we want to live lives of building God's kingdom instead of our own. And I think this is the attitude that Paul had. Um, in, in Philippians, you just see that. It says that it's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry. What a terrible thing to do. But others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. So they were smearing Paul's name because he was in jail. These were preachers that were, that were smearing Paul's reputation. And this is his response. What does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether false motives are true, Christ is preaching because of this I rejoice. Wow. See Paul's attitude? Again, he had every reason to fall into this, this envy and this hate because they were, they were smearing his name. They were like, he's not an apostle. He's in jail right now. He's in chains. And Paul was saying, you know what? As long as Christ is lifted up, as long as the kingdom of God moves forward, then that's okay. I'm going to rejoice. 
And I feel like if Paul had license to speak into these people's lives, he probably would have told them, you know, get your head out of your butt, you're selfish. But he didn't. He didn't have control over this. And so what Paul says is, well, I can't do anything about this, but at least Christ is being lifted high. And, and, and I don't think it's a coincidence that God picked Paul to move the church forward. It's because he had this attitude. It wasn't about his reputation. It was about Christ moving forward. Amen? Awesome. So we don't want to miss the point. We want to build God's kingdom, not our own. The next thing that led to Saul's downfall was that he compared himself to David and jealousy grew out of that place. And it says, When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out of the towns of Israel to meet King Saul, singing with dancing, joyful songs, tambourines and lyres. And as they danced, they sang, Saul has killed his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. And Saul was very angry with this disdain. It was a nice song, right? I think that's how it went. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought. But me with only thousands? What more can he get with the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. See, Saul, he started caring about the score, right? David's up 10,000 to to 1,000. And he started comparing himself to David. And and, and it says from that time on, he, he kept a close eye on David. He, he really got consumed and obsessed with David's success. And, and, and this comparison bred envy and jealousy in his heart. And I think if we're not careful, that's the same thing that can happen to us. When we live in comparison, um, looking at, at other people's accomplishments, it's going to breed envy in our hearts. And it's going it's to take our eyes off of Jesus and onto the wrong thing. And we have to be very careful with that. Because in the Bible, in Proverbs, it says, Envy is cruel, and wrath is like a flood, but jealousy is even more dangerous. Jealousy is even more dangerous. I, 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 don't, I was just thinking about, like, why is it saying that? And, and I, I don't exactly know, but I really think it's because when we're jealous, we're making this decision in our heart to compare, to, to envy someone else, and we're, we're making this decision in our heart and, and to be bitter and envious, and that, that sickness inside of us will only grow, and it will only start causing destruction, first of all, inside of us, and next of all, outside of us, into our relationships, and this is what happened to Saul. All of his relationships around him started dissipating. The relationship with David, Jonathan, his daughters, his, his, his wife, it all started falling apart around him. And I think in life we face the same temptation to play the comparison game, amen? It can be so easy to do this, and I, I, they're, they're talking about more and more uh, about the Instagram effect, because when you're on Instagram, you, you try to make your life look as interesting and awesome as possible. You never have any blemishes, and you always edit those out, or, or never, never post those, right? You only post when you're looking your best. And, and, and in work, you know, you look at your other co-workers, and maybe they're moving ahead of you. Maybe you look at other moms on Instagram, and they have like six kids, and life's, life's just perfect for them. They're never crying. They're always satisfied, and you, you can fall into this comparison game of, oh, they're ahead. Oh, they, they found a spouse. Oh, they, they found their career. Oh, they found this. They found that. And, and, and just like Saul, he starts p- playing this comparison game, and it puts his eyes onto David, and this is where jealousy grows in his heart, and his life starts falling apart. And I just want to say we, we can't enroll ourselves 
uh, in the game of the Life Achievement Olympics. Don't enroll yourself in that game because it will, it, will, it will cause destruction and there will be no winners. There are going to be no winners in that game. Even if you think you're going to win, you're, it's either going to leave you empty because you can't compete with anyone else or it's going to leave you full of pride because you can. But either way, there's no winners. You know, this, this last week I was at, at Rise and we were doing circuit training uh, with my wife and it, it was a good time. But uh, during the workout, me and Valerie just kind of decided that we were going to be competing against each other. And there was a trophy on the shelf and I was like, hey Valerie, whoever works out the best wins the trophy. <laughs> but we weren't actually going to win it. Um, so we just start giving it, and we just start working out, and we're just huffing and puffing, and all of a sudden everyone's just like looking at us, because because like they've already stopped the the training, and we're just kind of like, let's go, and, and we're just pushing ourselves, pushing ourselves, pushing ourselves, working, 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 and, and we arrive at the end of the workout, and we were just absolutely exhausted and done, and, and I gave her the trophy. Um, but I think life's a lot of the same thing, right? When we fall into comparison, when we fall into competing against other people, it's going to leave us tired and it's going to leave us empty and we're not going to go home with any trophy. And we're just going to leave empty and tired and unfulfilled, feeling inadequate. And this is not the focus that God wants to have. In Ecclesiastes, there's this powerful verse that says, Then I observe that most people are motivated to success because they envy their neighbors. But this too is meaningless, like chasing the wind. Don't live a life of chasing the wind. Amen? You're never going to catch it. You're going to grow tired. You're going to grow weak. And again, there are no winners when you chase the wind. There are no winners when you chase other people's success. Because God hasn't put us on this planet to compete against each other. He just hasn't. There's no my calling versus your calling. That, that doesn't exist. And on, on, on paper, Jonathan should have been competing against David, right? Because he was the one that took kingship from him. But, but ultimately, Jonathan ended up being the greatest cheerleader that David had. And it, and it says, and we're going to skip a, into verse 15, while David was at Horesh in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come to take his life. And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horesh and helped him find strength in God. I love that. If you want to be a good friend, that's your call, right? You help your friends find strength in God. And he says, don't be afraid. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel. I will be second to you. Even my father, Saul's no my father Saul knows this. And the two of them made a covenant before the Lord there. And so while Saul fell into comparison and jealousy grew, Jonathan accepted his call and encouraged David's call. And Saul was tempting, you know, Jonathan, hey, he, he, he took your call, go get your call back. You know, if David's alive, your throne and your call and, 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 and your kingdom will not be established. But Jonathan responds with saying, you will be king over Israel, David, and I will be second to you. I think Jonathan knew that David did not have his calling, right? That would have been the temptation for him to, to, to say, and this is what his father was tempted to impart on him, but Jonathan knew he doesn't have my calling. God, God called him to be king. God has called me to be second, and that's awesome, and that's good, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fulfill the calling that God has put on my life. 
And this is something that we need to know as well. No one has your calling. Tell that to your neighbor. I don't have your calling. And you don't have my calling. God has, God has put us here with individual callings. And, and, and so often it's funny because we start envying our neighbor's calling or our neighbor's gifts. And, and sometimes people come up to me and they're like, wow, Brenton, you know, I wish I, I had your gifts. And it's, it's hilarious because I'm envying their gifts, right? And I'm saying, well, I was just thinking the same thing. I wish I had your gifts. And sometimes that could be okay because we're just admiring the gifts that God has put into people. But, but sometimes we can, we can really fall into this place of comparison, competition, and we're just looking at everyone else's gifts and we're forgetting that God has given me a calling. And God has given them a calling. And that calling is good, but my calling is good as well. And I need to stay in my lane so I can fulfill my calling so the glory of God can, so I can be a functioning body part, right? In the body of Christ. In in Galatians 6, it says, If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. So it's talking about success. Success is not looking at other people and saying, Well, I'm better than them. I, I gossip less than them. I'm less prideful than them. I'm serving God more than them. I'm successful. No, no, no. That's between you and God, right? It's not about other people's success. Success is not from looking at other people and putting yourself ahead of them. And then it says, for each one should carry their own load. In the message version, it says, make careful exploration of who you are and and the work you have been given and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take the responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. And I think if we really get this, it's so freeing. Because I'm free to be me without comparing or competing with other people. And I'm also free to lift you up because I'm not jealous. I'm not jealous when you find success. I'm not jealous when, when I'm, I'm helping to shape your gifts and talents. I'm not, I'm, I'm not jealous because we're all on the same team, Right? And we need, to, we need to know that, that we have different gifts and roles in the body, and God didn't make us to compete against each other or compare, but to complement each other. Can I read some more scripture? Awesome. This is such a beautiful passage. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, if the whole body were an eye, that'd be a weird body, right? Just one big eyeball. <laughs> Where would the sense of hearing be? The whole body were an ear. Where would the sense of smell be? But in fact... God has placed parts of the body. He's placed parts of the body. Every one of them just as he wanted them to be. Wow. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker and indispensable... And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, together, giving great honor to the parts that lacked it. So there should be no division in the body. Why? Because everyone knows their role. Everyone is placed by God in their role with their giftings and their callings. And, and, and God has chosen that to be. And so when we accept our role, there should be no division because we're working together. 
So there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? And sometimes we compare parts of the body, right? What's better, the eye or the hand? Oh, the eye is better, it sees. Well, the eye is not better at hammering nails, right? And this is what we do with our calling. Sometimes we look at the gifts of other people and say, wow, that gift is, is better. Well, maybe, it's, maybe the eye is better at seeing, but again, it's not better at hammering nails. And, and again, we have, this is where we have to come to know our role, just like Jonathan did. He knew that God had called him to be second, and, and, and he said, you know what, that's awesome. God has anointed you. Here I am. I'm going to love you as I love myself. I'm going to commit myself to you. And I'm going to be an amazing friend. And that calling is not second grade. That calling is not secondary to David's, right? And I think this is what we need to see. And when we do, we're, we're going to begin to work together with no division in the body because we're all working together. The big concern is that we're just following Christ, Right? That he stays as head of the body, we're following him, we're listening to him, and all of a sudden we just, we, we, we start functioning as a body, not trying to be a part we're not, but, but staying in our own lane, doing our best with what God has given us and the gifts that he's given us, and, and, and it's going to be amazing. We're going to be able to function like a body, finally. And, and, and before we close today, I, I just want to let you know I think when we fall into jealousy in comparison, we compromise one of our callings in life. And that's to lift other people up, to encourage other people. And if you look at, at the life of Jonathan, his, his greatest claim to fame was being a really good friend. That was his greatest claim to fame. At the end of the day, he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't claim the fame. But, but one of his greatest accomplishments in Jonathan's life was just supporting and being a good friend to David. And we have to realize that, that when I help uplift other people's callings, that that's just as important as fulfilling my calling. Amen? We're, we, sometimes we see our calling and it's just on this little island and once in a while we'll help other people. But our calling is so linked to everyone else. We, we, are, we are a body, Right? And it's, and it's said in that passage, we should have equal concern for each other. And so what, what's just as important as filling my calling is making sure all of you are supported and encouraged. And I, and I really believe that the world just needs a few more Jonathans. The world needs some more Jonathans out there who are encouraging, who are supporting, who are there. Um, you know, Jonathan was there for David in the tough times. Jonathan cried with David. He, he loved David as he loved himself. He honored David. He didn't fall into jealousy, and he supported him. And I believe because of that, David was able to be the king that he was. And I think the world needs a lot more Jonathans, but we can only do this when we live free from comparison and jealousy in our lives. And so before we close, again, we're just going to look at how do I do that? That's a, that's a tough call to live free from jealousy and comparison. We're, so we're going to talk about how to live free from that. First of all, we need to make sure that we're playing for the right goal. We're playing for the right goal. And we need to ask ourselves, am I, am I here to build my kingdom or am I here to build God's kingdom? Have I made my world about, about me and serving me and what, what I want? Or am I living for God? Am I living out of selfish ambition and vain conceit or am I living in humility and valuing other people above myself? If we have this wrong, if we have selfish ambition in our heart, then it says there's disorder, there's chaos, and there's all kinds of evil. And I, I believe that's so true in our lives. 
The next thing that we have to do is just not compare or compete. Don't enroll yourself in the Life Achievement Olympics. Whenever you find yourself in a race against someone else, just say, I'm, I'm out. I'm disqualified. I, this is not a race. Because again, we are not here to compete against each other. We are here to complement each other, uplift each other. And this is how God saw the body working together. You know, connected through Christ. And, and, and that way, we would be able to accept our calling and use our gifts to bring the kingdom of God forward. And lastly, I I hope you're ready for a challenge because this is hard. Choose to love, celebrate, bless, uplift others while asking God to change your heart if you're still jealous. Have you ever ever done this before? I encourage you to do this. It is not easy. It is not easy to to get alone in your room and for the person that you're you're envious of or the person that you're jealous of or comparing yourself to, To get alone in your room and genuinely have a prayer and saying, God, bless this person. God, I I want the best for these people. God, God, I want want you to reign in them. And God, I, I just pray that through their life, the kingdom of God would move forward. God, I pray that you would lift them up higher. God, God, so that you would have glory. And and when you begin to do that, bless and celebrate the, the other people. I believe that these are antidotes to, to the sickness of jealousy. And, and the more you do that, the more the, the sickness of jealousy is just going to begin to go away in your life because, because it can't exist where we're being selfless. Jealousy can't exist where we're being humble and selfless in our hearts and we're being grateful for other people and we're not living in comparison or competition. Jealousy dies in that environment. And, and so I, I, I really just... I really just hope today, too, that, that maybe this was an eye-opener for you about how envy and jealousy is so destructive. And if you look at the life of Saul, his goal was to kill David, but honestly, he just destroyed his own life. His goal was to take the, the, his throne back, but, but he just destroyed um, so many relationships in his life. He fractured the, the, the kingdom and nation of, of Israel for a period of time. And it only, jealousy only led to his destruction. And that is all it does at the end of the day. Jealousy will never get you anywhere. It, it will only destroy you. And in, in Proverbs 14 verse 30 it says, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. That's what it does. It's, it's a sickness. And, and maybe you're sitting here today and, and you have that sickness. Maybe you're living your life in comparison w- with other people. Maybe like Saul, you're just fixated on one person. You're saying, oh, I'm envious. I, I, I'm jealous of them. But I, but I really believe that God can give you a heart at peace if you repent if you ask for forgiveness, if you start saying, God, help me in this process, help me to uplift this person, help me to bless this person, help me to celebrate this person and not live with a jealous heart, I really believe that today God can start setting you free from the sickness of jealousy, amen? Awesome, I'll call the worship team up and let's, let's just pray together. Hmm. Yeah, God, I, I thank you so much for the, the call that you've put on each and every one of, of us here this morning. God, you've, you've made us all so unique and, and so special. And, and you are, you're, the, you're the master builder. And God, I want to trust, like it says in the Bible, that you put each one of us 
in the places that we're meant to be. And God, I, I pray that we'd realize our place in the body. We'd realize that, hey, if my calling's to be a hand, then, I, then I'm not called to be an eye. I'm not con- called to compare myself to an eye. I'm called to do the best with what God has given me and uplift other people and encourage other people so that we're a functioning body of Christ. And a functioning body of Christ will bring love and peace and, 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 and bring restoration instead of disorder to this world. And God, help us to remind our hearts when we fall into a place of, of selfish ambition. Because we know it only fractures what you want to do. It only creates disorder. It, it only creates division in your body that, that you never meant to have. God, this morning, um, I just pray if there's anyone with a jealous heart, if there's anyone with an envious heart, they would just make a decision today to let go of that. To let go of whoever they're envious over, let go of whoever they're comparing themselves to, and live free to do what they're called to do. Just with every eye closed this morning, if that's you and you know that that you've been sick with the sickness of, of jealousy and, and envy. Maybe it's selfish ambition that the world is revolving around you. Just as a sign of repentance towards God, this is not for me. It's just a sign of obedience before God. Would you raise your hand and just say, God, I want to be free from this sickness. I want to be free from this. I've been letting jealousy and comparison reign in my heart. And I want to be free from that so I can live the life I'm called to and I can encourage others in their call. Yeah, thank you for your hands. Thank you, God. Yeah, God, I I just pray for grace upon these people. Grace to celebrate others in their life. Grace to celebrate who you've made them to be. Grace to stay in their lane and and just to, to use the gifts and talents that you've given them to the best of their ability. And grace to fulfill the calling of lifting others up, of being a Jonathan, of being the catalyst to other people in fulfilling their calling. God, I pray that all of us would be Jonathans and come alongside others and encourage them and support them in the hardest times and protect them and stick up for them and love others as we love ourselves. And God, we thank you that as we do that, there's going to be people that are, that are that are launched into doing what you've called them to do and ultimately our final goal is reached, you being glorified. Your kingdom coming to earth. Yeah, amen.